I think more than anything, I want to see change for my grandchildren. You know, I hope when they're alive, they have clean beaches and clean creeks and don't have to think about like the air that they're breathing. If it's clean, they don't have to think about the water that they're drinking and if it's in some kind of way contaminated. There's an indigenous tribe that says that um, we do not own the earth um, and we're not using it from our ancestors. We're borrowing the earth from our future generations. And that's like, this is so beautiful. Welcome to another episode of Follow Your Kind Podcast. And today we have Ruth Reeves from Fort Negrita. And I'm so excited to have her over at my place and looking forward to the conversation about zero waste. Awesome. I'm happy to be here. Thank you. Absolutely. So I heard about you from my friends and I started following you on social media and reading your blogs. And I have to say, it's uh, you have such a beautiful message and uh, the way that you present it in such a humble, simple, transferable manner, the way that people can just apply it and start from where they are, it's it's really cool. Thank you. Yeah, um, and that's intentional, trying to be um, make sure that it is applicable to people and that's because sustainability can sometimes be a, a, a concept that um, people can't see immediately how they're impacting something. So you talk about something big like climate change and, and a single individual may not be able to see how their daily habits are contributing to that. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is the it is the day in the day to day little things that kind of create big bigger issues and so I try to be able to make it digestible for people yeah Mm -hmm. that's really cool as we were just talking um so in my background I'm much more well versed in like the food and nutrition portion of it and how we contribute to everything around us including including the environment through the food that we eat so I get the message of you know like you make choices three times a day that have long-term impact on your health Mm -hmm. on animals and the environment but it's also cool to see and it definitely makes sense that everything else that you do in terms of using and consuming and, and the trash that we do or do not have also contributes many times a day to the bigger, bigger, much bigger picture of the impact that we have as humans. Yeah, yeah, it's bigger. I mean, I would definitely say food is a huge part of it. It's probably one of the largest contributors overall just with the way that food is cultivated on top of packaging, right? The packaging for food, the, the shelf life for food. Those things are just huge, and so food is one of the largest impactors, but then energy is also a big thing, you know, like our choice to turn or turn off lights or put on an extra pair of socks instead of, you know, running a heater or something like that. Those are all things that um, have big impacts um, because there's 8 billion people that are trying to do the same thing every day, so it seems minute for one individual, but when you think about the big scale, it's... It, it has a big impact. Absolutely, especially with with billion with millions and billions of people mm. that are on one hand getting better socioeconomic status and mm. getting more wealthy in quote unquote in mm. our nowadays terms, but at the same time, it also has an implication of them be, being a more active consumer that is now have access to more resources and now produces more trash. Oh, for sure. Um, the like connection between affluence and 
climate change. Like there's been studies. Um, I can't remember the name of the organization, but they um, have these eight planetary boundaries that we're reaching, which are really like we've reached the capacity of which our um, our Earth has the or planet has the ability ability to be resilient. Mm-hmm. And um, one of the things that they talk about in their book is that there is this connection between affluence and climate change. And so, you know, on one end, on an economic um, perspective, we talk about, oh, there's a growing middle class in developing countries like Nigeria or India or Ghana or um, China. But those things are, and, and that sounds good in theory because it's like, oh, that that's great. That means more people have stable lifestyles and have good homes and they can always put food on their tables but that affluence also means that people are becoming much um uh, they have a stronger appetite for just things you know bigger than just the essentials of like i need to eat and i need a place to live now it turns into well i can buy one pair of shoes in three different colors you know because Mm -hmm. i can or I can run the lights and the heat and all that kind of stuff because I have this luxury mm-hmm. or this cushion of income. Um, and so sometimes, you know, I, I'm not to say that I want to want to, um, I think that people shouldn't have increased income, but I think a lot of it goes back to just the, the economic system and that we're, we're designed in where it is, where it has to be this idea that you're celebrating when someone makes more money, when, at the end of the day, what we really need in essence is that everybody needs ability to have food, clothing, and shelter, you know, basic needs. Right. Um, and even if there is some middle class, there is some middle class, um, an increase in middle class in some places, there's also still these, these like perceived or artificial um, areas of scarcity in other places where people still aren't accessing um, food on a daily basis or don't have lighting in their home so it's it's kind of tricky you know mm-hmm. because um you know the econ- the way the economic system is designed it's, it's designed to celebrate when money is is you have a bigger gdp or have more income but what does that really mean if that means that we're also like in other ways becoming poor right so maybe the planet our planet is becoming poorer or our health becomes poorer because when you do have a larger middle class, that means that you're going, you're more likely to live in suburbs. And, you know, studies say that people that live in sub- suburbs are less healthy than people that live in urban cities because they walk less and they stay in their homes more. So all things to think about, you know, there's a balance of it all. And I think that um, unfortunately, a lot of things are dominated by the economy. And so the reason why we both are, pushing these messages is because we are trying to create an alternative against something that is much larger than, than we can even think to, you know, do anything about. So, yeah, I really like what you said, how, uh, it's, it, it became our supposedly the measure of our happiness, the, the economic prosperity that we have. But then really, if you look at it, I mean, I don't think we've have ever we've ever historically had so many people depressed, especially as we have in the United States, so many suicides that happen. I mean, we we lose so many people to suicide. There is such a prevalence of mental disorders and addiction in this country, and and in the world as well. But 
here we are thinking that you know all this economic prosperity and economic growth worldwide is leading to our collective happiness where in reality it's actually the opposite mm -hmm. and then to another another point i think what i'm taking from that also is yes we're we're luckily for for many populations and many communities we live in the world where yes we're getting more access to resources but while some of the communities are celebrating that at this point because it's new for them i think countries like united states maybe have an additional responsibility to figure out how the hell to make this sustainable mm -hmm. so that when it does happen with the time does come when eight billion people have access to walmart or whatever it mm -hmm. is walmart better be completely zero waste at exactly. that point <laughs> yeah they need to be. And yeah, I think the you point out the US is huge because they the US is the powerhouse, you know, mm -hmm. like um not just from an economic standpoint, but just a popularity contest. You know, America is the country that people prefer and so we can either set the president and say like this is how th we we are setting the example for how to do this mm -hmm. and do it both economically and abundantly. Or we can just choose to keep a business as usual, you know, I mean, and, um, and I, I pull out and I point out the US and I think it's good that you're pointing it out too, because you, in some European countries, like UK, French, like, you can see that they're already taking steps to do different things, whether it's like more people bike in those places, or, mm -hmm. you know, um, thinking about how, like, in other countries, they've already kind of set these standards yeah. of, like, we do these things, you know, I think, I can't remember which country it is, but they um, definitely stopped allowing grocery stores to throw away, like, food at the end of the day, they have to, like, find a place for it Out to time. go, you know, and it's like, why, why was this even a conversation, exactly. why was this even okay for people to just throw away, like, completely eatable very you know okay food unexpired it just looks ugly or it has a sale by date but sale by dates aren't really regulated so it's just like what are we doing here you know mm -hmm. and meanwhile you see people on the streets you know Atlanta is a is a big example of that where it's just this like oh man I mean you can go from like Buckhead or something like that and you can like see the affluence and all of the like economic drivers and that kind of thing but then like you can go to like a MARTA station and somebody's like asking for money you know or for food and you know it might not even be money it's just food so I think like there's a contrast there and mm -hmm. so you know celebrations going back to the whole economic thing celebrating like an economy it's like, what does it mean if everybody doesn't have access to the basic needs, the ba basic needs that, you know, what does it matter if like more people are being able to like have luxury things if we can't even figure out how to supply the 8 billion people with just what they need, you yeah. know, when they're all that they need is there, you know, like there's hotels that are empty. Meanwhile, people are sleeping on the streets, you know, or there's food going into a dumpster bin. Meanwhile, someone is hungry and it's just mm -hmm. like, well. What is it that imbalance is, is, is definitely perpetuated, is definitely intentionally placed there, um, and it's unfortunate, but um, yeah, I know there is calling it out. <laughs> no, yeah, for sure, and there, there's so much conversation about how, um, you know, there is, do we have enough resources to feed 8 billion people, but I think right now, our problem is not the lack of resources, right now, our problem is logistics, our problem is lack of proper distribution yeah. of the resources and mm -hmm. alignment. Mm -hmm.
yeah. and design too, you know, like packaging. Sometimes I'm like, why, you know, we can think of better packaging that doesn't have such a long lifespan, you know, and I'm starting to, we're starting to see that a little bit, you know, just with me being a zero waster, I've, I've been, I've been aware about the whole practice since 2013 and I really, I wouldn't call myself a zero waster, but I do practice zero waste habits and um, 2014 is really when I went like cold turkey and just was like, I'm going to try to put all my trash in this mason jar. We're going to see what happens, you know? So I did like a 30 day challenge. And since then to now, which was what? Six, six years ago, seven, yeah, six, six years ago. And it's just like, now it's kind of like, I, I can see the things picking up. Like I think haagen is now going to start having a, um, closed loop system for like ice cream paint paint jars or you know so you can get your ice cream and in these like reusable jars that you can then like send back oh that's cool yeah and that's a huge company so Mm -hmm. um I do see the wins in small ways you Mm -hmm. know or um I'm trying to think of where else or uh just the compostable to-go wear becoming more of a thing where you can get that like paper pulpy kind of mm-hmm. um to-go box instead of styrofoam exactly um, things are are being phased out and um I see it happening in incremental you know mm-hmm. little Steps. moments and so I'm I'm okay with that because I think I've never really this this practice you know has never been something that I that I was thinking that I was never making a demand like I want to see change today you know I think more than anything, I want to see change for my grandchildren. You know, I hope when they're alive and they're living, they're just like, they have hope they have clean beaches and clean creeks and don't have to think about like the air that they're breathing. Um, if it's clean, they don't have to think about the water that they're drinking. And if it's um, in some kind of way contaminated, like mm-hmm. that's my, my thing is like, I, I, I feel that um, I think the, there's an indigenous tribe that says that, um, we do not own the earth um, and we're not using it from our ancestors. We're borrowing the earth from our future generations. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, this is so beautiful, you know, um, because we we really are, you know, because we don't know how long we're this, this planet is going to last. But because we don't know, we know that we're not going to be the, it's possible that we're not the last people here. So why not like make it better for the person that comes yeah. next? You know, it's kind of like, you know, somebody might come in the bathroom after you. So like, make sure it's kind of tidy before you leave, you know? So the next person doesn't have to deal with your like crap and literally, urine. <laughs> yeah, literally your crap and your urine and your dirty towels and all that kind of stuff. So, um, I think of it like that and I'll give one more example um the upcycle is a book written by william mcdonald i think he he talks a lot about um closed loop systems and he was talking about a um group of eskimos who would build or who would have like they had an igloo and it had fire it was like a space where they could build Mm -hmm. fire and um he said they built a fire like came into this igloo where you know, had a space for, like, um, a rescue, was a, a place of refuge for them for a little bit, burnt the, the wood inside of the igloo, because when they got there, there was already some wood there, and when they were going to leave, they were like, great, now, before we leave, we have to find more wood to put back in the igloo before we, like, 
completely leave the site so that if there's another person that comes up on this igloo, there's already wood waiting for them inside. Oh, um, that's so cool. So, yeah. I want to be like that. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I know you are. You know, we we all are. You were talking about the whole kindness thing, and you know, and it ends about um, there's this, with kindness, there's an understanding that you're, you're not a soloist in the world. You know, like you are embedded and intertwined with every single other human being you know and water tells us that because water the same water we're all drinking the same water water doesn't separate it isn't like separate Mm -hmm. you know entities like one minute it could be sink water the next minute it can be beach water so it's just like that connects us water's running through our bodies what makes up 70 percent of our bodies or something like that so just thinking about how connected we are um water is an example of that also just like space you know like we could have been anywhere eight billion people in the world i don't i don't know how many people are in atlanta but there's so many people in atlanta and somehow we found ourselves here today you know what i mean Mm -hmm. like nothing happens this is not a coincidence and so just thinking about how much we are interdependent um is a part of the kindness because it's like you know you can be selfish about it but you gotta the kindness comes when you understand that there's a bigger picture and like the reason why we all can like get safe to work and we can um, go about our days and, you know, we can drop our kids off at places. All of those things are because of this system, this grid or foundation of humanity that we exist in, you know, that we all live and, and thrive off of, we benefit from. And we also, we also in some kind of way, um, insert into it we give an offering to it in different ways so this is so cool we can just close the shop i'm gonna give you the keys you should be the host of the podcast we're <laughs> over <laughs> i have goosebumps going over my mind this is so cool it. i love it Thank okay you. so i want to step it back now because mm-hmm. i'm really curious about learning how you discovered about zero waste yeah what it is that motivated you to do the challenge and yeah. kind of how your story unfolded from there okay awesome so in 2013, um, I wanted to, I was working like my first job out of college and it was at a TV network and it was pretty fun because TV networks are like, there's always something going on, but I wasn't really excited. It wasn't really fulfilled in the job. And so my friend, her parents were um, living in Ecuador and she was kind of feeling the same way too. So we were like, how about we quit our jobs and go live in Ecuador for a little bit? So quit our jobs. And then, um, I started wanting to get rid of a lot of things. So that's also in this, I had this momentum of like purging and like just kind of restarting hitting the restart button. And so I started to like, look at all my things from like college and high school and started trying to figure out like, well, what do I do with all these CDs now that, you know, it's 2013, like I don't (laughs) carry a CD player, but I, you know, don't want to just toss these in the trash. What do I do with this old mattress? What do I do with these old electronics my old walkman and stuff that I haven't used um and so I started to look for resources online and um didn't really I could find things but it was like it took a little bit of time for me to google and search and so I said well you know whatever I find I'll start to put on a blog just to kind of get it going um just so that the next person you know same concept as the igloo the next person can be able to find this stuff when they're looking on, you know, trying to figure out how to recycle electronics. And so it started there. And then I went to Ecuador and, um, some, at some point in my trip, a friend 
was like, hey, I know you don't know all this green stuff. Um, check out this woman. She runs this um, blog called the No Trash Project. And this is a woman. She's up in the north. I think she was she's living in Connecticut or maybe Massachusetts. And so I checked out her website and I was just like very, um, I want to say shocked. There was shock value to it because it's like this zero thing and you're like, you know, you're reading a blog. When you first find out about zero waste, you're like reading stuff and you're looking at it, but you're thinking about everything you've thrown away for the day, you know, just a day. And you're just like, what is this? So it was really mind blowing. But also I was like, you know what? Um, I got to do it. Being the person that I am and like really feeling that I need to commit to things immediately. Mm -hmm. um, I was like, I can't do anything else. So. Uh, I didn't like immediately start, you know, zero wasting. I was living in Ecuador, which really wouldn't have been helpful anyways, because they barely, where I was living at the time, they weren't even really, it would be, it would be hard to find recycling bins. Mm -hmm. We used to go to a park to have to recycle there. So um, just to let you know, like it really wasn't uh, a setup that would like really help in like get me on the track of zero waste. Um, but I just started to think about it. So I just started to like look more in my trash and just think more about how I could go zero waste. And then in 2014, I decided I had moved into a new space and I, I was making sure that everything that I had for my new place was made of natural materials. And I was thinking about like, I made the official switch by like getting a ton of bar towels and kitchen towels as an alternative to paper towels and so I was starting to do little things and mm -hmm. then I was like let me actually do this and practice on a day-to-day -day basis and see what it's like and so I did a 30-day challenge and um never turned back because <laughs> I was just like you know what now that I know this I can't just go back to being the way that I am and even though now um not to say that I, I never have anything made of packaging or never purchasing packaging but now when I do, I have this guilt around me. Mm -hmm. So it's, you know, very rare that I can even do it because now I, I, I know what I know and I can't, I can't unlearn that yeah. and I can't unlearn my 30 day experience. And so it's been great. I would say the first 30 days were difficult just with habits. Like now I, I can wash my hands and not even think about or not even look at the paper towel um, dispenser. But when I first started that 30 days, like sometimes I would already have like two paper towels in my hand and they're like oh you're supposed to be zero wasting you know so it's just like um some habits are kind of built in um and very wasteful so we have to kind of unlearn those what were some of the hardest things at the beginning yeah um definitely the paper towels just because like naturally you wash your hands and you're like ready to like pull mm -hmm. pull them down and um walk out the door so that was like um that was like a, a real habit to get rid of because you don't, you don't even realize I, there were plenty of times I didn't even realize. I'm like, you already have paper towels in your hand. You didn't even consciously like think about this, you know? So that was a really hard thing. And then navigating where to get things that I really wanted to eat or having to make more time to make things like chips. I love chips, but chips are always going to come I mean not let me not say always because I'm anticipating the day that chip bags become biodegradable you know um and not just in an anaerobic digester but like literally you can put it in your compost pile and it goes to waste or biodegrades or 
um, decomposes. But until that day, um, chips are, you know, typically in these plastic bags. And so making things like chips or jam, um, you got to make a little bit more time, take a little bit more time for those things. So that was difficult. Um, luckily, I was living close to Sevenanda, the natural food store at the time. Mm. So it was like a breeze getting there. They have so many things there. And um, being able to um, go there so frequently, I could help. I, I could be like, hey, y'all should get this in there. And you know, maybe a month later, it'll be on the shelf. So um, that was really cool, too, to be able to do that. But I would say the hardest things was definitely just some of your basic habits where you don't realize how wasteful you are and then um, having to like make these alternatives to things that you're used to eating and mm-hmm. enjoying. Okay, so let's uh, let's get into like the science or like the, the, the word definitions of it. So can you define mm-hmm. zero waste and then like what can go where, yeah. what counts, what doesn't count? Um, you know, so you have I, to have a mason jar so you can you put all your waste in there. <laughs> That's the thing. You know, I just wrote, I actually just wrote on my blog yesterday, the, like it. misconceptions. You've seen it. Yeah. So okay. misconceptions of zero waste. And, and it's really, um, because when I first started my zero waste lifestyle, it was very alienating. Like it was kind of like, Oh, my kitchen doesn't look this like, you know, perfect and just minimal you know I'm like I have you know little African dolls and I have plants all over the place and I I like colorful fabrics and stuff like that so um it was intimidating from that perspective but then also like um from the financial place too so like when when defining zero waste I always like to say it's a way to be creative and to figure out alternatives to um being wasteful in any capacity. So that could be disposable wear. Um, that could be the amount of water or energy that you're using. Like those are all ways in which you can be zero waste. You can take quicker showers and mm-hmm. waste less water. Um, and you know, some that may seem like it's taking away from like the, the, the strictness of zero waste. And, and it is, but I think it's because it, it's an opportunity to let more people in. I think mm-hmm. that the zero waste movement is very elite, um, especially with the online community. Um, when I started out, it was like three people, three other people that were blogging about zero waste. And two of them are very notable at this point for being zero waste. And they are white women. And so for me, it was hard for me to come into that space and, and do it my way because I felt like there was there were these definitions and this scrutiny on what it was supposed to look like and so I'm always like telling people like just be inventive like figure out things um that are alternative and think like your grandma like grandmas are very resourceful they're very skimp on like what they're using they're very frugal Mm -hmm. and for good reasons um and they have all the habits that we need everything that is happening in the zero waste movement elders have done marginalized people have done people that are poor have figured out how to do these things before it became a trend um out of necessity whether it was because of of a war and things were being rationed or if it was because of financial instability and they really had to figure out how to make a little bit of resources go a very long way or it could be that they don't have access to some of the resources and so they just had to make do with what was around them either way like 
I think zero waste is just all about being creative with what you have before you go out and be a consumer, you know, in any kind of capacity. Because I think consumer consumerism is really where we get caught up these days is that we don't even think and we're just purchasing, you know. Yeah, and it's kind of almost like going back to our conversation in the beginning about the economic prosperity. Uh, It's like the more resources you have, the less thought you're going to put into what you already have and the more you're just going to go for convenience and comfort for reaching, for easy reaching out for something that's Mm -hmm. just readily available even though you already have something like that at home. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I'm from Ukraine, I grew up there and as you were speaking about grandmas, absolutely, like I remember my grandmother used to wash, like use, I don't know how many uses, like 50 probably or more and wash afterwards the plastic bags that we have. Mm -hmm. And in Ukraine, when you go to the, well, I'm pretty sure it still is, but a few years ago, it was still like that. If you go to a supermarket like Walmart, whatever, or the grocery store, like and buy produce or anything, you have to pay for the bags. Like mm-hmm. you, not because that's because they're trying to be environmentally conscious. No, because like there's no free bags, there's no free stuff in Ukraine. Yeah. You have to pay for things. <laughs> this was made. It cost money. Exactly. You yeah, you pay. I mean, it makes sense. No, yes. like it makes logical sense to me. So, and of course, people will be like, um yeah, no, I'm not going to pay for that. So mm-hmm. I'm just going to bring my own bags or wash mm-hmm. it or reuse it. And it's kind of like, it's that f- who's mar- free hand, you know, that, that, that leverages and evens out the, the market. So mm-hmm. like make people pay for things and they will use less of it. Mm-hmm. And the same with paper towels. People didn't have money to like buy paper towels or like it's all these reusable napkins. Yes. Like, and then you throw them, you know, places and then you just like, oh, it's a little bit wrinkled. So I'm going to throw it away. Mm-hmm. That's not how it works. Like we had all the paper towels and then like your t-shirts, it will like then become a towel and then it will become the, the, the thing, the towel that you wash the floor Floors with. I mean, with. there's like yes. so many lives to each That's thing. That's how it is right now in my yeah. house. It really is. Yeah. Yeah. I just cut up a couple of socks just to like put in my rag pile because I'm just like, this can still has use, you know? Um, and so, yeah, like watching elders, they've always been like that. And in other countries, like they've definitely always practiced that. I think the U.S. has not. Um, and I, I, you were talking about paying for bags and it made me think about how businesses are also afraid of being... Um, it's almost like they're afraid of having a backbone around things. I mean, I don't know if I can say that in a better way, but it's it's almost like, well, we don't want to charge people bags because then they'll go to our competitors. And it's just like, there's this, this perceived like scarcity once again, you know, that there's this scarcity of yeah. customers that you don't, you can't trust that your customers are the ones that want to bring their own bags or can can understand and say oh you know what this is great that you're having this bag thing and you know I want to participate um I'm I'm looking forward to bringing my bags next week you know um so I think that there's this like this there's this push thing almost where the the companies are underestimating like the customer's ability to to be transformed Mm. you know to say i'm going to experience my my grocery store experience is going to be different now because my beings i'm going to get from bulk because instead of getting in a bag you know um or i'm going to um remember to bring my grocery bag you know these are like i think that customers um or consumers are looking for that so there's this there's this gap though because there's like then you have the businesses that are like I'm afraid to do this because it'll upset my customers but your customers are ready they're so ready you know like trust that they're not like these like newborns anymore they're like 
we're smart consumers, you know, we're thinking and, um, you know, I, I see this magazine here and I'm like conscious company magazine. I'm just like, I wonder how new this magazine is, you know, where it's just like we're companies that are specifically thinking about things in a conscious, sustainable way, you mm-hmm. know. Um, and so businesses need to trust that that their customers are ready to be transformed and consumers were ready, you know, and the more that they can see those things from a top down level, you know, where you have a company like haagen that's like, we're doing closed loop, you know, that's dope. You know, I don't really, I don't eat haagen ice cream, but knowing that there's a big organization, a big company like Absolutely. that, that is talking about zero waste and putting it into their infrastructure. That's amazing. So no, yeah, that's a really good point. And as you said, I mean, sometimes all we need is just a little bit of an incentive. I mean, mm-hmm. you have one time when somebody forgot to bring their bag in and they had to maybe like buy a reusable bag at the store so they can they carry their watermelon home or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like next time they will remember, you yeah. know, it only takes a few times to build a habit. And then once a habit, mm-hmm. it's like thousands and thousands of plastic ba- bags saved. Yeah. And I also think about with grocery bags and with grocery bags particularly um, is that the grocery store gets rid of a ton of boxes every day, cardboard boxes, you know, they're unpacking all this stuff and putting them on the shelves. And then instead of creating a closed loop where those boxes just go to the front of the store to say, Hey customers, you can use this instead of the plastic bags, then they're broken down and then sent shipped off somewhere to be mm-hmm. recycled. And it's just like, well, you had a chance to like get one, another use out of it from your customers who could have, you know, went for the boxes instead of paying for bags. There are some grocery stores here. I know Aldi is one of them where they charge for their bags, but they also say, Hey, you can take these old boxes and pack up your food in these. Mm-hmm. And it's like, it makes sense. Boxes are pretty decent to hold and carry, you know. Um, so I think that sometimes there's just also like going back to logistics. You talk about logistics. There's just these like these like glitches and errors are just like and I, a part of me is like, you know, the the like the there's one part of me that just wants to scrutinize and be like, no, they know what they're doing. You know, they're just not trying. But part of it is also that like. A lot of people are, if you think about the capitalist system and how much it 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 is exploitive, that people are tired. You know, you have a manager at a at a grocery store, and they're probably dealing with so many things on a day to day because they're probably working multiple jobs. Really, right. that you know, sometimes they can't even get to thinking about big picture about connecting the boxes that go out of the back door mm-hmm. to the customers at the front end, you know? Um, so I think it's, I think it's a little bit of both, but there's opportunities for us all to be transformed and, and they're happening little by little. So I'm grateful. I love it. <laughs> yeah. I love your word. And there's opportunities for all of us to be transformed. That's really cool. Yeah. Something that made me think of too is like, we all have to take responsibility as much as we can for <clears throat> the, the, the what, what we're leaving behind us, too. And not always necessarily just blindly put it in the hands of others to be to take it, to take care of it for us. Um, and the reason I say that is I remember, so I moved to Atlanta two and a half years ago now, I think it was. And uh, I was, when I was applying for different jobs, one of the jobs I was actually looking at was with Rubicon, 
Wait, it's, I don't European know if you heard. Global. Yeah, yeah, the, the recycling company. And I had experience in third-party logistics. And the job I was applying, the role I was applying for there was kind of similar to what I was doing uh, in my previous um, career mm-hmm. with logistics. And what I learned about them, because I was actually, I learned about Rubicon from the Conscious Company magazine, because okay. they were a B Corp, they're mm-hmm. B certified corporation. Uh, and I was like, oh, and they're in Atlanta and I just moved here. Well, that sounds like a sign. I'm going to go apply for a job there. And I did, and I got an interview. But when I was learning about them, what I learned was the reason they were in the space, and for those who don't know, Rubicon is basically uh, a third-party recycling company, and they have contracts with big accounts like Walmart, for example, where they uh, pick up their trash and then they take it and then recycle it for a fee, but they actually recycle it. Because, and the reason they are in the space again is because most of the companies that are doing it now are pretty much monopolizing the field and the way they work is they're not necessarily in the business of recycling, they're in the business of real estate ownership. So they just buy this huge pieces of land and then they just take the trash there and they don't really do much with it, mm-hmm. but they charge uh, companies exactly for recycling, which mm-hmm. they never do. So oh, that's why Rubicon is entering the, the space and they're, they're doing something different and they have a competitive model <clears throat> where they're not a- only able to help us get rid of trash, but also provide the, the big, large corporations with the services to do it better, more efficiently. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. I just thought it was it was cool because, like, I if I didn't do that, like, I would have I would have had no idea that our trash that we think is being taken care of is really not being taken care of. Mm-hmm. No. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's all you know. It's definitely all um, you know. For profit you know because it's interesting how you can make money out of something that nobody wants like mm-hmm. discards because if you're thinking about like your trash things that are in your trash can it's obvious that you don't care about those things right you don't mm-hmm. care about you throwing them away this is a signal that you're ready to get rid of them but somehow there's still an industry you know a large industry for it that's backed by like real estate you know like this is huge and um I think it was maybe TerraCycle that had like a report maybe a couple of years ago and they were saying that um, a business owner of like a waste management company was saying that when the economy is up, our business is up, you know, and that's just a signal also of just like, you know, consumerism and purchasing and that just means people are buying more Um, and when people are buying more, the business or industry of trash is also doing well too, you know? Mm -hmm. And it makes me think of like planned obsolescence because that was a design. It was a mechanism. Planned obsolescence is um, making things to be, um, making things kind of um, faulty or um, undurable so Mm -hmm. that they'll break easily or um, so that you'll need a new one soon. And so that can look like something like just not having a long lifespan um, or life cycle, but it can also be um, technology where we're going to create a new upgrade and your phone isn't going to be compatible to it. That's planned obsolescence. You know, like Apple is huge on planned obsolescence. Um, But it was it was a a theory or a term um, brought about during the Great Depression because their idea of how the U.S. was going to get out of the Great Depression was by buying things. And so part of it was like this concept of making things 
stop making things so sturdy, you know? And if we, you know, because, you know, if you think about, like, older pots and pans, some electronics, my, my grandma has, like, a really old mixer, you know, that still works. And it's just, like, things were made with integrity back in the day. But mm-hmm. then there was this whole concept of, like, wait, if we make things that are made well and they last a long, a lifelong, I mean, a lifetime, then we won't have more customers, you know. So we need more people to buy more things, make things cheaply. So that they'll have to turn around and buy more and buy more consistently. And that's how we keep our customers. That's how we increase our, our economy, blah, blah, blah. It's just foolishness. <laughs> it's really crazy. But that is what we're experiencing, you know, right now. So That is so interesting. I mean, I definitely was aware of the fact that it's happening. But I didn't I have no idea about that, the historical yeah. kind of context for it. That's pretty interesting. Mm-hmm. Okay, maybe let's go through like different areas of, things or things that we do during the day mm-hmm. and maybe you can give some advice to listeners on how they can yeah. decrease the waste so we did talk we did touch on the food a little bit so mm-hmm. shop in the grocery aisles bring mm-hmm. your own bags yeah. uh, bring your own silverware tableware what else so um, shopping mostly when I go grocery shopping I shop in two sections the bulk section which I bring my own reusable produce bags like smaller little drawstring bags mm-hmm. and fill those up with dry goods so that can be beans pastas nuts um, and then I shop in the produce section so two sections of the grocery store bulk section and produce and then Love when it. I'm in the produce section I'm buying um, things that are unpackaged so instead of buying a bag of apples I'm buying a bunch of loose apples instead um so that's the big thing for the grocery store um I always tell people to carry three things with them always have something to eat with so that's going to be a fork or a spoon um and you can literally use one that you already have in your your drawer your drawer in your kitchen because we have so many of them just make sure you always have one with you um always have a napkin a cloth napkin um if you don't have a cloth napkin it, it doesn't have to be anything fancy it can be a kitchen towel it can be a washcloth it can be a t-shirt, an old t-shirt that you cut up into a square. Or the one you're wearing. Oh, the one you're wearing, <laughs> yes. Don't make it hard. Um, and then a reusable cup of some sort. Mm-hmm. So um, I like to carry, I have a water bottle that I got from, everybody thinks it's so like high tech because it looks kind of high tech, but I got this for like $9 at Ross. Um, but it keeps it things, cool. It's a yeah, thanks. It's a vacuum it's kind of like a hydro flask or mm-hmm. maybe like a clean canteen kind of um, insulated uh, bottle. It keeps things warm for hours. It keeps things cold for hours. Um, but you don't have to buy that. Like you probably have a reusable cup to go cup in your kitchen already that you probably got for free for like doing a 5K or, right. you know. If not, um, then go do a 5K. Going to a conference or something. <laughs> yeah, like the people give away stuff for free all the time. So I'm sure you have a reusable cup that you can use, you know. Um, or mason jar works as well, you know. Don't buy. You don't have to feel like you have to go buy things. Because mm-hmm. um, that's kind of <laughs> like, that negates the point of all of this, you know, to buy new things just because... Now, I understand efficiency and, like, functionality. Some things just work better. Um, I definitely, when I first started zero wasting, I was, like, mason jar, mason jar all the time. But then, like, I would break them all the time. And I'm just, like, 
okay, I have to get something a little bit more durable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. So that's why I went stainless steel. So I do recommend that. But don't feel like you have to, like, jump out and just go make a bunch mm-hmm. of purchases to keep up with the lifestyle. What about if you go out to eat or, like, you mm-hmm. get food somewhere else? What are the tips to remember? Yeah. So typically if I'm going out to eat, um, I always – if I'm out to eat, I'll always make sure I order my drink and say no straw. And typically, if they've already put out, like, napkins and forks and stuff, I won't make a big deal about it. Like, I'm not really a fussy kind of person about it. Like, oh, you put a napkin on my plate and I didn't ask for it. Um, But I will say, like, hey, can I have my drink without a straw? Mm -hmm. And then when I order my food um, or just when I go into a restaurant in particular, I pay attention to what is already on people's tables to kind of see, like, what are they serving on? Um, typically if it's a completely like takeout disposable kind of place, I won't go. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll typically go to a dine-in place where they'll serve on reusable wear. Um, and if I'm in, if I need to, to, if I need it to go, if I'm in a rush, then I'll order it from a bar, from the bar area where it'll come out quicker and I'll pack it up in my, I have like a little tiffin, which is like a stacked, um, storage, food storage mm-hmm. container. Um, but Tupperware could work just as easy. Um, also like don't, um, not quite zero waste, but, um, wax paper is really cool too, because you can put it in wax paper and then, um, I can, I compost my wax paper later. So that's an option, like tearing it up and just, um, throwing it away. Mm -hmm. I mean, instead of throwing it away. Um, and then, um, with food also, uh, or takeout, just, Uh, paying attention to the types of materials so um if you can't find a place that's out to go or that's dine-in and you have to do to go then I would recommend looking at like are they serving on paper products or are they serving on you know plastic containers because that makes a big difference too because paper um just the lifespan of paper is much shorter than um plastics so Mm -hmm. and plastics will still either have to be recycled or something like that and Paper you can also tear up and throw it into a compost bin. I throw everything into my compost bin. <laughs> if it can break down and and disintegrate, I will put it in my compost bin. <laughs> what about, so, like, for example, at Emory University, uh, mm-hmm. their sustainability department is pretty robust. Like, everywhere you go where, you, where they have trash cans, they have, like, a, like seven different trash cans that oh, can be, cool. like, separated and recycled and mm-hmm. deconstructed by, like, the smallest parts. But so if somebody, if I go to, like, the cafeteria there and I get food with plastic or whatever and I eat it, but then, like, I put it in the recycling bin, is that considered zero waste or not? Uh, I would say that recycling is secondary to zero waste, which is, like, the act of refusing. Mm-hmm. So. That's, like, number one. Your priority is to say, how can I refuse this plastic container? How can I, like, refuse this straw, this napkin, um, this bag of chips? How can I refuse these things? Um, Secondary would be, okay, now I have this item. I couldn't, for some reason, I couldn't avoid it, and now I have it. Now what's the best practice? Then the best practice Mm -hmm. is to recycle Um, But you want to, for the most part, try to avoid it overall because it still goes through an intense process from oil refining to molding it, um, packaging it up, shipping it out. um, All those things occur before it gets to you. So if you're thinking Mm -hmm. about like a plastic clamshell, which took 
natural resources to make and was molded and took energy, coal energy to be able to um, run a factory to make it. Right. It's boxed up and shipped on a truck or on a boat or something. And that's more gas, natural resources for it to get to Emery's dining hall and you use it for 30 minutes to an hour um, just to kind of chuck it. And, and even though you're putting it in a recycling bin, then it still goes through another intense process of having to be broken down. And those are more natural resources that are being utilized to do all those things to remake it or remold it mm-hmm. um, when you could have asked for it on a ceramic plate, which could have just been washed. And you have like a little bit of water waste, but the the amount of resources being used is is much less. Right. So, so think of accepting plastic is like messing up, and then recycling is like asking for forgiveness. So it's just better not to mess up in the first place. Yeah. So then you don't have to exactly. say sorry. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Except saying sorry in this China case is have much to more complicated. Yes. yes. <laughs> just be strict. <laughs> stick to the stick to you know the um the way it's supposed to like the speak stick to the best practices and then if you have to you can repent by recycling you know but like try to have best practices initially no yeah no it makes i mean it makes so much sense and just the fact that like the way that you describe it and i'm sure like you described it in detail but i'm sure there's like a thousand more steps to each of these processes and just just like think about it i mean it took it took you like two minutes just like to describe the process of what we don't even give two seconds to think about and then what takes I don't know how many how much time energy and resources to to clean to be cleaned up after we use it Mm -hmm. so like why even why even put that out there Mm -hmm. as you said yeah Yeah. and I don't don't know how it is in the Ukraine but um, just traveling I realized that like in other countries like at a typical restaurant, even if it's pretty, like, fast-paced, fast food, they still serve you on, like, regular reusable items, you know? It's not, like, this whole packaging trash to-go thing. Mm-hmm. Like, it, I don't know if it's a phenomenon that's specific to the U.S., but I feel like in other places, people definitely sit down and eat more. Um, and I remember I recently, well, last year I went to Chile, and... I heard um, a couple of people, like, joking about, like, Americans kind of eating on the go. Like, you know, you may be on your way out the door and you, like, grab a banana and you're eating the banana on the go. And we don't think about it. Um, We're just, like, we're in motion. We're eating, blah, blah, blah. But in other countries, they look at that and they'll be like, oh, she's eating eating while walking strange you know i've never seen people eat in the car Uh before okay before i came here i mean granted i don't think i mean i'm sure ukrainians change into i Mm -hmm. i don't know i i I have not been aware of the drive-through windows in ukraine either before i came here okay and again it's probably maybe it's probably catching up too because i know a lot of american practices are catching up as well Mm -hmm. um but yeah i mean i don't remember paper napkins or like fruit eating on the go with like in terms of fruit yeah but like making a sandwich and running with a sandwich yeah maybe not <laughs> yeah no you sit and you enjoy your food and yeah. then you you know go on about your life so that is also a big thing um because a lot of us don't get a chance to go to other countries and or aren't from other countries and so we're just 
we think that it's normal to be as wasteful as we are. Exactly. It's, it's not, it's really not the norm globally. It's unfortunately happens to be the most popular country that's just like, mm. you know, tossing, chucking their trash everywhere. Like literally, you know, our trash is making, it's global, you know, from our, the clothes, our unwanted clothes make their ways to West African countries and disturb their their fashion industries and our recycling waste has been like is now more have like uh more regulated in China because we were just sending them garbage you know so it's 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 strange but it's um people feel that on one end and then on another end because we're the popular people the popular planet or country people are taking after our habits and they're saying well u.s does this why we can't you know have drive-throughs and be wasteful and have a budding middle class you know so yeah what about like beauty products Mm -hmm. products. conditioners all the good stuff i would say most of my beauty products are edible (laughs) so like usually everything that i'm using um comes from like kitchen items so like for moisturizer i use a lot of oils coconut oil olive oil um i get shea butter which comes in like big chunks and they're like wrapped in like um what is it called like old newspaper or Mm -hmm. old um grocery paper grocery bags um for shampoo what do i do for i've been like up in the air about it lately so it's like sometimes one thing is another um lately i've been using a shampoo bar um but also using a lot of apple cider not a lot but more apple cider vinegar Mm -hmm. um than anything because the shampoo bars kind of leave a um bit of film on my hair so that hasn't worked for me um so you basically make your own i make my own yeah okay um i use bentonite clay which i can buy in bulk from sevenanda um and mix that with aloe vera gel straight from the aloe vera leaf and like blend it and like use that on my hair so all different kinds of things that I've like tried and make and really it depends on like what's accessible to me Mm -hmm. every week um castor soap is also good but not too much of it because that can dry dry your hair out too so um those are a little bit of the things for shampoo shampoo is I think I find one that every person is going to be different because everybody's hair is so different, you know, mm-hmm. and then um, what you can access or what you find will work on your hair is also a different thing. So those are a few things that I've tried bar soap or bar shampoo. Um, I've also tried bar soap, bar shampoo. Um, I've tried castle soap. I've made a bentonite clay paste. Um, that's because the clay is a natural detoxer. It helps to pull the toxins out of your hair. Um, there is a place here that I haven't been able to go to recently. Um, but I, um, I started a Facebook forum, zero waste, um, zero wasters in Atlanta. Mm -hmm. And on there, someone recently said that there's a place that has shampoo. So, um, sometimes if you're in like a big enough city, like a more metropolitan city, then you can probably find shampoo at like a cute store of some sort where they're selling it um, in bulk. Okay. What about, you know, people ask you that. What about toilet paper? Toilet paper. <laughs> toilet paper. Um, I use toilet paper. 
Um, I kind of had to do a little like research on like how t- toilet paper works and how it works with like waste infrastructure uh-huh. or with our pipes. Um, and basically, t- toilet paper has been it has to be like patented to be able to break down so that it doesn't like mess up pipes. And so mm. essentially it breaks down into like little pieces. It's just paper pulp. So it turns into, um, it, it, it ends up going back into the system. It's filtered and that kind of thing. Um, is it the best practice? No, it isn't. Um, I think I recently started seeing like there's companies that sell toilet paper that's made from other resources instead of, um, trees so like bamboo being one of them bamboo is is, is a, in the grass family so it grows much more um, quicker than trees mm-hmm. um, and so that's a great alternative if you're you want to use toilet paper I haven't done like the like just washcloth or like rinse kind of thing um, not to say that I'm not into it I think that my just kind of going back to convenience sometimes like being on campus or being like out and about like those methods just don't maybe it's, it's a bit of socializing or being socialized into being like oh I don't want to be that person that's like wiping myself with a like reusable washcloth and having to like rinse it out and stuff so mm-hmm. I do use toilet paper just to kind of simplify it but I think there are um there are definitely alternatives that are um, environmentally friendly whether they're made from recycled paper or they're made from a um a more renewable resource like bamboo so i would recommend those ones but i'll also say that those ones are also much more expensive so if you um have to think about things in a financial way as well um which is one of my things then you might just go with regular paper (laughs) yeah Okay, so I want to have one more question, but mm-hmm. I don't want to give it away before we start talking about Fort Negrita and mm-hmm. uh, kind of where the name came from. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to read just really quick where it starts on your blog page because mm-hmm. I really love the wording. I oh, absolutely love you. it. So um, at fortnegrita.com and about, you have knowing that nature holds all the secrets on how to be abundant, resilient, and divine, Fort Negrita closely follows in the footsteps of, of her inherent mother. Mm-hmm. Citizens of the fort have awakened to the idea that less is more. In order to see the true value in life, you must regain your vacant minds. This is so beautiful. Oh, thank you. Okay, yeah. so tell us what is Fort Negrita, yeah. what does it stand for, and what, what are you doing with it? Yeah. Um, I got chills just now, just like with you reading that, because I wrote that so long ago. And, um, but I remember the, where I was, my feeling when I felt that Mm -hmm. and just to hear it, I'm like, yeah, this is still what I'm doing right now, you know? So I'm grateful. Thank you for reading that. Um, but Fort Negrita, so Fort, um, it makes me think of resilience and a a fortress, you know, not being able to get through or impermeable. Mm-hmm. And so I think about the earth in that way as well, um, where she is the earth. I refer to it in the feminine sense, but the earth is experiencing a lot of extraction and exploitation, but yet still continues to provide us with the things that we need the most. Um, and so I think of Fort in that way. And also Fort makes me think of like camping. So like going hiking mm-hmm. and spending time in nature and like putting up a little fort. Those are things that I think about with Fort. And then Negrita 
um, means little black girl in Spanish or black girl in Spanish. And um, I was, I started the blog right before I went to Ecuador. So remember I told you I was like, quit my job and moved. Um, And so I was learning Spanish a lot at the time. And so that kind of influenced it. But also um, there's this celebration of uh, my identity, my blackness, which in my womanness and my environmentalism. So Mm. it's kind of encompassing all of those things um, together, which um, is a great, it's a great, it's a great space and platform to be able to hold space for though all three of those things at the same time um especially with the idea that there aren't many um zero black zero wasters or black environmentalism and i'm just like no we're all over the place it's just that the way people typically define what those things look like is very it's a high standard of you know this is what it should look like and Mm -hmm. it's very sterile you know instead of being like Zero waste and environmentalism could look like sitting on your front porch because you enjoy hearing the crickets at night, you know. Um, so I think that, um, well, that's what zero, that's what Fort Nicolita means. That's where it came from. It's just about being resilient and also this space for blackness and womanness and womanism and um, being able to create a space for that. Because I've also like through my and this kind of happened haphazardly, but like I started out doing the how to recycles, like where to recycle these things. And then it turned into zero waste. And then when I, um, one thing we didn't talk about was menstrual pads. And That's menstrual what I was going to lead into. That's oh, why I okay. wanted to talk about Fort Negrita first. Because oh, it's okay. such a perfect impersonation of all three of those that you said. Exactly. and But that's the, the yeah, so irony let's talk of, about it, that. of how I got there uh-huh. was that... Um, I had to think about what was I going to do about my cycle, you know, this right. 30 day challenge. And it's like, okay, now what do you do about your cycle? And uh, I was squeamish about the idea of getting reusable pads at first. I'm, you know, I, I, cause it was nothing I had ever experienced before. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I'm used to just being like, okay, wrap it up, throw it away. Don't look at it. Right. You know? Um, but my, being able to, I initially purchased, um, reusable pads from a couple of like small companies on Etsy or something. And then I was like, in need of more but they're pretty expensive like when you buy your first like set of them so mm-hmm. um I, I was like I gotta figure out how to make them and I was already sewing or had a sewing machine and so I was like figure out how to make your own and so I made my own and then um I was like oh I can sell this on the website and so started to sell them a bit not, not really on the website but mostly like to my friends who would be like oh I want some pads I need some pads I'm about to come home my period it was kind of like a little like deals like oh you need some pads I'm hook you up <laughs> here you go you know <laughs> and um I wanted to also make them accessible to people because I knew part of the reason why I started making them in the first place was because I couldn't afford to just buy you know because you need an arsenal of them you have a period your, your cycle is for seven up to seven days mm-hmm. and you're bleeding sometimes very heavily on some days so you may need like two or three and so with that, I was like, how do I make this more accessible? And so I started the pad parties. And this is genius. May I just say, like, this was one of the first things I saw on your social when uh, I started following thank you. Thank you. Yeah. And I was like, what is happening? And then I started looking into it. And then they're like, guys so, at the sewing machines yeah, making make pads. pads. I mean, it's genius. <laughs> yeah, so cool. Thank you so much. Yeah, it's been awesome. And um, it, it was so funny because I also 
was afraid to talk about menstrual pads, my zero waste habits around my menstrual cycle on my blog initially. And I had a friend that was like, well, you talk about everything else. And this is a big part of your zero waste life is having to use reusable pads. Mm -hmm. So why not? And so I finally put a blog post up about it. And you know, that's what people really want to know. They want to know all the the, the the good stuff. stuff. Yeah. (laughs) They want to know the juicy stuff. They want to know about the toilet paper. They want to know about how this cycle thing works, you know? Yeah. Um, just thinking about how many um, disposable items or product, feminine products or menstrual products that people throw away on a monthly basis, you mm-hmm. know. So I had to share. And so it's just interesting now where I'm just like, menstrual cycles and <laughs> let's talk about wombs and vaginas and, you know. But it's so awesome and just kind of coming full circle around the whole Fort Negrita thing and this, like, little black girl. It's like, it's still forever and always creating a safe space and a resilient space for for mm. for black women and for um for women in general I think I, it broadly covers everybody because I, I think about the matriarch and how like the matriarch is very much so like protective like these are my babies like don't touch my babies and that's what fort fort means to mm-hmm. me is it is this like security blanket and so it's like come to this place come be with other people that bleed and be able to talk about your cycle and what day is your heaviest day. And by the way, pick up a snack and learn how to sew for the first time. And, oh, you get to, like, go home with a pad that you now can use forever and ever, you know, um, just wash it and keep using it every month. So um, it's so interesting how this thing, because I, I never, you know, I don't know, I I make I make plans for Fort Negrita and right now I'm in the process of trying to crystallize it as a cooperative so Mm -hmm. that um there are more owners into the business model and more people can make the pads and then also thinking about expanding the the types of products that are available so that they're more alternatives to everyday disposable wear Mm -hmm. um but as I crystallize it I'm I still kind of come back to my about page and some of my first blog posts and and even just my name the name of the of the whole thing and I'm just like wow like all of this was like in synchronicity and you didn't even know it you were just kind of like just creating just trying to just initially literally like I somebody has to put this together there's no blog about where to go recycle electronics in DC put one out there and that's how this got started you know and I can still go back to that stuff and say this is still relevant and look at how that kind of expanded and look at what you're growing now and so I'm excited. I'm really excited about where it goes next um, because it, it's, I think, it, one, it's right on time just with the, the idea that people are ready to be transformed hmm. um, and going from not wanting to talk about pads because I thought it might um, disgust people, you know, to seeing that people really want to know, like, show me how this does because I might be with it too. People are ready to be transformed, yeah. you know, they're they're ready but you just have to be able to like and that's the thing that I'm learning is being more vulnerable and being being exposed to say like hey I know this is unordinary but I'm going to tell you about how I do it because there is some somebody out there that also wants to try things in an unordinary way so yeah absolutely I'm ready (laughs) that's amazing absolutely and it's so cool that you're saying that because I mean yeah as you said a lot of people like 
all the things, sometimes the things that people need the most or curious about the most are the things that people are most embarrassed or scared to ask for or to ask about. Yeah. And it's like, it's unfortunate, but like you get, that's being vulnerable and just like sharing honestly of who you are and what do you do is like the only way to kind of battle that. And I'm sure like, I mean, you have a great following on social media, but even beyond that, I'm sure like many more people who are looking at what you're doing without you even knowing about it. Mm -hmm. And I find that like, I don't know, like I had several people um, reach out to me a few times where like I never knew, like they never like like my posts or they never comment on my stuff. But then like out of a blue moon, they would be like, oh my God, like that thing you posted one time, like really helped me or like I incorporated something in my life. I'm like, really? I had no idea anybody was even listening. Mm -hmm. But now after a few times, like I had people say that to me, like every time I get down on myself or I feel like, ah, nobody gives a shit about it. I'm like, no, maybe there is somebody who does. And Mm -hmm. even if they don't, maybe if they see it, maybe they will afterwards. Mm -hmm. So it's so cool that you have the courage to step out of that. Mm -hmm. And especially as you mentioned, I'm sure like for you breaking down you have many more barriers to break down and, and like in the space that has not been occupied by women like you before and you're stepping in with strength resilience and and you know your maternal instincts care with with care and love and kindness you're stepping out for yourself and for others leading the way that's amazing thank you thank you so much yeah. yes. <laughs> that's really cool okay so you're your vision going uh, forward with Fort Negrita is hopefully established as a, as a co-op and you're looking mm-hmm. at uh, community building, education, and mm-hmm. providing alternatives to the products that are disposable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's really cool. So, like, continuing the programming, like, big picture would be being able to have, like, a, a, a not a brick and mortar, but more of, like, a building that you know, one in one capacity allows for people to be able to recycle hard to recycle items, you know, you can come drop Mm. off like your batteries or whatever. Um, And then also thinking about a zero waste grocery store, you know, things like that would be very cool to to have. That is so Um, cool. Where one end of it, you can, you know, shop and then another side of it can be like this recycling center. Um, And what else have I been thinking about with that's so many things I recently did a bunch of like strategic like strategy like what do you think this what do you think this looks like in 10 years um and that's some of the things that I've come up with like so far it's like those things um being able to have like a site where people can also like drop off compost you know Mm -hmm. um or making compost just more accessible to people is another thing so where do you find courage for all that because I it's so cool that you have obviously amazing ideas that are big, mm-hmm. but then you're also very humble and you appear very calm mm-hmm. about it. So, you know, like usually people who have like big dreams are usually really loud and obnoxious and they yeah. like tell everybody about it and they have like this, like, you know, mm-hmm. but like you're so calm, but yeah. you're like, yeah, I'm, I'm just doing it i'm just gonna take over the world with fort nicarita but you're like you're so you're so cool about it how do you you, where is it coming from um i think it's most of it is really the like i don't know what i'm doing (laughs) (laughs) um you know and so it's kind of like i'm gonna play this cool because if it goes well or if it doesn't you know we don't know but 
So I, I think I t I'm willing to take the risk, right? I'm willing to like start a blog. I'm willing to like put myself out there and talk about how I experience my menstrual cycle. I'm willing mm -hmm. to like have an event and, you know, invite people to learn how to sew and all that kind of stuff. And so I think I'm willing to do the things because I'm like, I, I don't think that I'm looking, maybe it's because I, I, I don't, I'm not that I'm not sure about what I'm looking for in the future, but I'm like, I know that these things, these things that I'm doing on a daily basis have some kind of impact. Mm -hmm. And that could be a text message. It can be somebody sending me a photo of um, a, a little girl who just made a pad, you know, for the a teenager who made a pad, you know, and that can, those, those are the little things and they don't seem that impactful. You know, they don't seem like they're to scale. You can't scale a picture of a teenager who just made a pad. Right. Some people would say that, right? If you're thinking about it from like a business perspective, it's like, but how does this go to scale? Like, tell me, you know, talk to me in numbers, you know, and I don't think that I'm measuring my success in that way. And so my success does look like more of a feel good kind of experience or mm -hmm. these feedbacks that are telling me that I'm on the right path. It is the people that are like, I read that one piece that you did about something, something. And I'm like, you did, you read that? Oh, okay, cool. <laughs> And that keeps me going. And so most of it is just because I'm, I'm unsure about where all of this is going to go. But I feel good about it because my success, my success measurements are are the people that are saying, keep doing this. We need you. Like, hey, look at what I did today because you inspire me. Like, those are my indicators of success. Mm. And so that's why I'm real chill about it. But then I'm, I can also, like, see big picture because I'm, like, watching I'm a watcher. Awareness, right? That's a big part of all of this. Um, awareness allows me to see, like, it can see people being transformed. It can see that um, there's need for changes in logistics and businesses and stuff like that. And um, so it's, it's a bit of both. So it's like, you don't know exactly what you're doing, but keep doing something. You know, that's, I think that's my attitude right now. It's just like, you don't know exactly where this is going, but just don't stop. Don't get quiet. Don't just totally back out of the space because you're needed. So that's I love really it. how I keep going. I love it. I feel like, I mean, nobody really knows what they're doing. And even if they say they're no, they, they just don't bullshitting because yeah. they don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. Yeah. But I feel like as long as you're, as long as you're doing something that you love, you cannot fail at it because you're going to be good at it because you love mm -hmm. what you do. And, yeah, I mean, you lead with your heart, obviously, and if you're willing to put, put you at the work, which you are 100%, there is no stopping you. We're going mm -hmm. to be observing for coming up here soon somewhere in Atlanta oh. with a name degree. That would be really cool. Yeah, it'll be very... Um... It'll definitely be for the people, so people will be happy to see it. That's that yeah. will be important to me. So when people can see the something from Fort Negrito on such a big scale, they can know in that in some kind of way they own it. You know, they can feel good about it because they, in some kind of way, are embedded in it or contributing to it or benefiting from it. So such a beautiful message. Thank you. Yeah. I have to. I mean, I really am inspired by, I'm inspired by um, women, the women, my elders, my ancestors, and the idea that there are, there are future generations that are going to be here in a 
200 years and I'm going to need for them to be one in a space where I have the work that I'm doing now is benefiting them, which is clean air, clean water, basic needs. But also that they're like rallying and fucking shit up too. I hope they're they got the same personality. That's just like <laughs> there's still room for improvement, you mm-hmm. know. So I hope that that keeps going because I've been surrounded by fearless people. I am I am it's in my DNA to be fearless, and so that is what motivates me too. Because it's just like I have nothing to lose, you know. Like I don't I can be. I can jump on something and just be like, I'm going to go for it. I can quit a job or whatever and just be like, I'm going to go for what I really want to go for because that's what my heart tells me. And I lose so much when I don't listen to my heart versus when I go for something for more um, surface reasons, you know. So I'm always trying to follow and go with my gut. (laughs) I love it. Yeah. Uh, okay, I already taken an almost hour and a half of your time. So oh, wow. there is a final question that I usually end up with, but uh, I want to see if there's anything else that you wanted to talk about or share before we start closing up. No, I think we covered so much. Um, thank you for having me. Yeah. No, thank you yeah. for coming. I'm so happy. So as uh, I kind of described to you earlier, the the premise and the idea behind the name for my podcast mm-hmm. and the kindness behind it. And then we talked a little bit about it at the beginning, but I wanted to, to close up with, uh, again, with words about kindness. So would you talk a little bit more about what, what kindness is to you and how do you get to follow it in your daily life? Mm-hmm. Um, I think about, when I think about kindness, I immediately think about um, self-care because I think that before you can offer anything to anybody else you have to like take care of yourself first first law of nature is self-preservation right Mm. so um, I think being kind to yourself is is the first we're our hardest critics we um, can we can be our hardest like coach or mentor we can say to ourselves that wasn't good enough or you didn't go about it the right way or you could have did that in a bigger way and you know we're our toughest 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 you know critics so I think giving ourselves more grace and kindness um, is needed because the more we loosen up with ourselves you know the more we can stop feeling like there's some kind of measurement of success or some kind of like pedestal in which we need to put ourselves to we can relax and practice a more um practice loving in a more loving way like unconditionally loving I love myself exactly how I am flaws and all I love my flaws I love you know my procrastination or I love my um indecisiveness whatever those things that we're dealing with being able to love those things just as much as we love the things that people glorify Hmm. um, because we'll be more kind to ourselves even when we're being indecisive or being or procrastinating, you know? So I would say kindness definitely starts with self love. Um, because it's tough out here. Like the world is really tough and, um, there's going to be a lot of, a lot of exterior things, that are beating you up. And so the last thing you need is to have that internal, you know, jab every, Mm -hmm. every day as well. So I I definitely say like 
taking care of yourself and being kind to yourself, being gentle to yourself. Um, and from there, you will understand gentle how other people want to be treated because you know how you want to be treated. You understand kindness for yourself. Kindness for yourself looks like, you know, plants and a good uh, night's sleep. And um, it looks like being able to, like, sit outside and, and breathe in fresh air. And then you'll understand how important it is for other people to have all those things that you're required to have in order for you to experience kindness. Um, So then you can reflect and you can think and say, okay, if I want clean air, so does this person. Um, And it can, it may change you to, you know, maybe carpool, you know, Mm -hmm. it's little, little things, you know, but it definitely starts with that awareness and that self-kindness because you can think about how do I want to treat it? be treated and then you can say well you know this person doesn't eat every day that's not how somebody should be treated you know or you know um I have to think about like uh, landfills living near landfill I don't want to live near landfill so I think kindness starts it definitely starts with like self self self-love um self-care which I'm so happy it's also a big trend right now because it's like very needed to tell, remind people, like, you have permission to take care of yourself. You have permission to be kind to yourself. Um, so. I love it. I, was I love it. What I'm hearing, too, is it's the, the zero waste thing is folding into it so beautifully because from what I'm hearing you say is uh, kindness, being too kind to yourself and then to others as well. It's, it's like it's the opposite of, of being greedy and it's it, and and I think a lot of the reasons that there is so much waste nowadays is because we're just simply being greedy we're mm-hmm. just being inconsiderate mm-hmm. and as Gandhi said there is enough resources for human need but not for human greed mm-hmm. and I think we're just really being greedy yeah. in a lot of cases and if we are to be <clears throat> a little bit more quiet and a little bit more considerate and a little bit more kind to both ourselves and then others then I think it becomes a lot more clear that the areas where we can also be a little bit more conservative or a little bit more mindful and a little bit more kind. And I think that just, just making those little shifts little by little will automatically lead to the ways going from 100 to 50 to 25 to zero. Zero. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. Well, I'll make sure to include the, the links to your to your website and to your online store as well on the show notes. So thank you so much for joining Thank today. you, Tina. Thanks so much.